Hello everyone and welcome to the NFL Puddle with me, Ralph Farthing, and everyone's friend, Rob Deacon. Hi, hello. He's always so chipper. So this week, Rob and I are going to be discussing Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. How they went from losers to winners in a single season. How that model worked, what they did, and how it potentially could be replicated by other teams trying to do the same thing. Don't fall off your chair, Rob, but I've actually done my homework. (laughs) I've been looking at the statistics, the tape, everything that went around the change in the Bengals and how the introduction of Joe Burrow and some other players and then consolidation of what they did in the following year took them from being bottom of a tough division to top of a tough division. And then even from there, they went into the playoffs and got all the way to the Super Bowl. But before I get to that, I'm going to ask Rob a simple question. What do you think a franchise which has invested in a first pick quarterback has to do to go from bottom of the division to top of the division in one single season? It's kind of obvious, but you want to protect that quarterback to strengthen your offensive line. And then you want to give him options to throw to and top tier options if you can. So if you can do those two things, that really, really helps on one side of the ball. On the other side, you just want to have a team that stops the other team scoring. And then that's two parts of it. And then I guess the kind of slightly off overlooked bit is somebody who can score you points when you're not able to get it for a touchdown. You know, when we start to look at the Bengals, I think we can see what they did across all of those pillars. Well, Rob, that's a pretty concise and accurate analysis, in my opinion. I'm hopefully just going to touch on a few nuances there and go through a few bits and pieces to expand on a few of those areas. And part of that, I'm going to be looking at PFF. Now, you know a little bit about PFF, don't you, Rob? Can you explain it briefly? Yeah, is is the grading system that they use to... Uh, mark NFL players and it's not just on the kind of metrics of sacks and yards gained and various kind of things they look at the influence that you might have on a certain play or motion or or, or action and stuff so it's uh, it's a really good in-depth you know marker and metric of, of player performance bang on again Rob so PFF is the grading system that evaluates every player on their production rather than traits or measurables and this actually shows their contribution to production. So when you're looking at a quarterback, they're obviously going to get a much higher PFF because they're involved in everything. Um, but then other players can have really good PFFs, and it just shows how much they're actually putting into getting a team to win. So with that in mind, we're going to go back and have a look at what happened with the Bengals and how they actually got players with good PFF to do their job. So let's go back to that draft for 2020 where the Cincinnati Bengals picked up Joe Burrow and T Higgins. We've got stud quarterback, we've got a target. And then we look at what you were talking about and break it down in the audio. We're looking at protecting a quarterback, looking at options, we're looking at stopping people scoring and we're looking at that mysterious player that can get you a few points where you need them and we'll get back to that in a sec. So we've got Joe Burrow, T Higgins... But that really didn't make a huge amount of difference to the Bengals. They were still pretty garbage. Yeah. Joe Burrow took a bit of a beating. They didn't do too well. Yeah. With that in mind, they were building towards, they were thinking, right, next season. They picked Jamar Chase. They get Jackson Carmen, offensive tackle out of Clemson. A few other boys in the draft. Some guy called Evan McPherson, you may have heard of him. They also pick um, a guy called Trey Hill, who's a centre. Um, and then they pick up 
blocked an offensive tackle, Deontay Smith. Um, but really importantly, they also picked in free agency. They've got a guy called Riley Reef, offensive tackle from the Vikings, whose PFF is really good, you know, or solid. Yeah. They also picked up an outside cornerback and a slot cornerback, and they've re-signed Samaje Pirine. Now, that doesn't sound like all that much when they've got Mixon running around, but Pirine, as he proved last season, is a very good second string running back, yeah. and he gave their offense something to really hope upon when Joe Mixon wasn't available for a couple of games. But then comes the big signing, Jamar Chase, number five pick, round one, 2021 NFL draft. What a signing. You know, they picked an absolute stud receiver. Yeah, yeah. Every time Joe Burrow wants to get rid of the ball, he just fires it across him and he makes space. He gets himself clear. He breaks away from cornerbacks. He just, yeah, what an awesome signing. And what a clever bit of subterfuge when... At the before the season starts and they're looking at pre-season and training and they're saying he can't catch anything. So all of these other defensive strategies are not thinking about Jamar Chase and then he runs onto the pitch in his first game and suddenly they're all like, oh my God, who's this? What's happening? What's going on? And that is an incredible stellar signing. Yeah. So, yeah, signing-wise and in free agency, the the, the biggest move they made, uh, which worked out to be arguably the most successful in the whole across the whole NFL was was bringing in defensive end Trey Hendrickson from a New Orleans Saints. He he previously uh, recorded you know thirteen and a half sacks that year, which kind of prompted the interest and move and 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 obviously the desire for Bengals to strength their their quarterback sacking potential. And he actually then went and then delivered on that and 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 delivered the career best uh, fourteen sacks and was evidently someone who also just helped changed and improve the culture there at the team and the whole sense of defensive steel and togetherness and, and uh, you know, got them more stops, you know, made made them a less leaky defence and, uh, so you know, which obviously gives more, you know, your offence more chance to uh, to score more points than them. Exactly. So he was a huge part of that. He then went on to the Pro Bowl alongside Mixon and alongside Jamar Chase. And uh, so, and that was obviously, again, as a metric, the marker, you know, they went from three pro bowlers in 2021 uh, up from zero from the 2020 season. You touched on something there, Rob, and when you were talking about culture, and I think that's one of the things that doesn't get spoken about and we haven't spoken about before now heavily on this turnaround. And that is that a really good culture and a really good ethos behind a team can turn them from bottom of a tough league to top of a tough league. And I think they have got a great culture at the Bengals. And, you know, we can look at other teams that aren't doing so well this season um, and we look at teams that look like they're on the up. And if you look at, like, the Bears, who have had 25 players leave this season, um, 14 to other, other teams, so that's only 11 retiring, 14 to have gone to other teams, and they've only had two re-signings. Um, and then to contrast that, you've got the Lions, who've only had five players leave. Three of those have gone to other teams. And 15 have re- renewed or signed. With Nine of those are re-signed. So that's people really loving playing for a team. And culture is massively important, in my opinion. And part of that culture is Joe Burrow. You know, the guy took a hell of a beating yeah. in the 2020 season. He came through a pretty horrendous injury. He, uh, I think there was a game where he broke a finger. And, you know, 
you've got guys there who look at that and they look at their leadership and they think, well, actually, I'm going to go that little extra mile. He's doing it. I can do it. Let's do it together. And that kind of culture is so important and it gets takes big, strong characters like Hendrickson, as you said, and other people in the locker room to really drive a team forward. And I think Joe Burrow is one of those people. Yeah, 100%. Burrow just seemed to get stronger and stronger and, and more resilient. And I guess defiant might be a word as, as the season went on. And we kind of really got to see, you know, why he was picked as the number one in, in the 2020 draft. Because it wasn't necessarily evident on his uh, 2020 you know, season performance. No, you're right, Rob. I, you know, I didn't think much of him. But then you look at last season and he's either second or third in PFF for quarterbacks in the league, which is incredible, you know, to go from being a bit sketchy and getting battered about to being that strong yeah, yeah. is a phenomenal flip around just for one man personally, let alone a team. Yeah. And adding to that locker room, you've got this fabulous kicker, Evan McPherson, someone that you like to talk about, Rob, and his achievements. But he is a character. You know, he's the guy that reportedly, when the kick was going to be asked of him, and he just turned around and he said, looks like we're going to the Super Bowl, guys. You know, it's that sort of mentality, that sort of brilliant character that ignites people and just gets people going. And I think there was a report of him um, not going into the change room in the Super Bowl, preferring to stay out and watch what was going on in the halftime show. And as you said, Rob, in a game where you've got games being won by very small margins, if you've got a young guy who can get you three points when the going gets tough, man, that's just a brilliant thing to have as a weapon in your arsenal. So I think his character has a really, really positive effect on his teammates. And that in itself creates this whole idea of culture, which is really attractive. Other than location, culture seems to be the biggest draw for me, people to make the decision about where they're going to play. And let's not mess around, Rob, because they're going to have to make themselves a very attractive system to be able to get the players that they want to fight for this new 2022 season. And during free agency, they picked up a fantastic offensive tackle in Leo Collins from Dallas. He's like the number five offensive tackle in the whole of the NFL with really high ratings. And they also did some good drafting and they picked up a fourth round pick um, of Cordell Volson. And he's an offensive lineman from North Dakota State and he looks fantastic, massive farming boy. And they're going to need them because Joe Burrow is going to need defending because their schedule this season is going to be a hell of a lot tougher. Correct, correct. And uh, so obviously, you know, if we look back at the 2020 schedule, when they were previously kind of the fourth seed, they it meant they got games against the Broncos and the Jets uh, and the Lions, and they won two of those in 2021. So obviously that really helps bump up their regular season record to become top of a very tight AFC North. But this year, they've got, they're playing first seeders. So yeah, they have to play the Cowboys, uh, who topped their division, the Titans who topped their division, and the Chiefs. So that's a markedly different challenge, uh, you know, on, on, the, on the schedule from the previous year. And that is one of the reasons why actually the Bengals are so low down in, in the kind of sports book bettings, you know, to, for, to win the Super Bowl. They're like 10th or 11th favourite, which for a team that reached the Super Bowl is kind of really surprising and arguably a little bit unheard of. The pundits and, and the betting houses are not favouring the Bengals' chances. 
I'm not that brave that I'm going to try and beat the betting houses. So I'm just going to count that out for now. But I think there is a statistic out there that talks about those teams that manage either to get to the Super Bowl or even to win the Super Bowl. How the following season they don't succeed. I think the Atlanta Falcons is a classic example of that. You know, after they got crushed in the second half by um, the Pats and then they just haven't come back and they've never been the same. Um, But looking at their divisions, looking at what their schedule is going to be like Who's got the best opportunity to go top of their division, get into the playoffs, and then potentially get to the Super Bowl? Which teams do you think, Rob? I think the most obvious one to start with, it, I, you know, in my eyes, is 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 in the closest division, and that's the Ravens. Uh, as uh, as we've discussed, there was only t- kind of two wins separated. Um, first and fourth in that division, the division that the Bengals won, and Ravens ended up bottom. And there was a few reasons for that. You know, uh, the Ravens were a little bit more leaky defensive-wise when they're normally super, super tight, and that's one of their strengths. And also Lamar Jackson missed quite a few games as well. And when you've got such a kind of offensive kind of dual threat as him and you take him out of the equation, that's going to affect performance and stuff like that. So they would be the most obvious team with the chances to go from fourth place to first place. Well, they've certainly drafted well. And if Lamar's healthy, as you say, they are pretty hard to beat. And their defence is pretty strong. So, yeah, that's a good shot. Anyone else? Well, the Broncos are an interesting one because obviously they've made one of the splashiest moves, bringing uh, the chef, Russell Wilson, uh, from the Seahawks in a big, big off-season kind of signing. And because of that, there's a big hype and a sense of like, actually, this could be the Broncos' time. However, they're in an extremely uh, difficult division, if not the most difficult division in, in the league, again, with the Raiders, Chargers and Chiefs. I'm not sure that they have the offensive weapons around Russell to support that, both in terms of running backs and wide receivers. I don't know if they have the quality in those positions to make a serious, serious contention. I'm not convinced either, Rob, to be honest. You know, when he's had Metcalf and Lockett at his disposal and he's not really done a huge amount with Seattle, I'm not 100% sure if that's his fault or if that's a a coach problem. Um, But realistically... I just don't see the Broncos as that much of a threat. I think there are other people that have got an opportunity more than him. Um, One team I am looking out for, one team that I think really do have an opportunity because of the changes that have occurred, is you've got a stud quarterback, you've got a changing coach, you've got draft picks that are going in, you've also got some free agency that's gone in. And I'm looking at the Jacksonville Jags and thinking Trevor Lawrence could be the guy with Christian Kirk coming in to really move that team forward and go from being horrendous last season to, if not winning their division, to actually coming second and maybe even getting a wild card place into the playoffs. I'd love to see Dan Campbell and the Lions make the jump, but they've got the Vikings and the Packers within that division. They may get above the Bears, but I just can't see them getting above those two. Then you look around and you see the Panthers... No, they seem to be in a really weird place at the moment, not performing particularly well. The Jets, even if Robert Seller is a nice guy, you know, I'm not 100% sure that they can get above the Bills or even above the Pats and the Dolphins. I think every division looks more complicated. I think the Jags are in a pretty weak division. I don't know what you think about that, Rob. Um, 
Texans seem confused with their draft picks and what they did with the free agency. Um, the Colts, I'm not con- convinced by. And then the Titans, equally as confused. And their free agency was strange. So, yeah, I'm going to stick with that punt, but it may seem a little bit too far out there. I'm not sure. Yeah. No, I like your uh, I like your your uh, your thing on the Jags. It feels like a, quite an outside bet because they've been quite uh, obviously what the worst performing team in in the league last year, um, and obviously had this kind of dysfunctional culture there. But the, uh, like you say, I think the one thing that really, really, really plays into their hands. Is, is that they're in the weakest league. And in fact, we don't quite know what the Titans are going to look like, even though the Titans won the AFC, you know, only just, but they did win the AFC last year. But, you know, you take away AJ Brown and uh, and if Derek Henry isn't fit, or even if he is fit, he's kind of a, a, a kind of 80% of what he is. And we're just seeing this massive attrition rate on, on, on running backs. For sure. You know, suddenly, if you start taking away those threats and, and Tannehill, obviously, you know, you know, th- through three interceptions in the AFC championship, you know, not championship game, but the conference game against the Bengals and stuff like that. If you know, there's a few bits and bit pieces as if they're not clicking for the Titans, they could easily start dropping. And then, like you say, uh, the Texans are very much a work in progress, and uh, the Colts kind of good yeah. and, and you know Jonathan Taylor led them to, you know they started off the season you know with three losses but then Jonathan Taylor pushed them all the way through pretty much it was almost a, a one-man show you know and is Matt Ryan the guy to take over Wentz and deliver that for them it do, does Jonathan Taylor get cropped and then that makes a massive difference to what the Colts can do so I, I you know it wasn't one Jags it was not one that I was thinking at all when I was looking at this but I really like what you're saying, Ralph. I, I think it's a really interesting call, but it needs to click for the Jags and it needs to click for Trevor Lawrence and and, uh, and everything. Well, thanks, Rob. That's nice of you. I, um, yeah, it, I think it's a, a really good opportunity for them. They've kind of done all those things that we were talking about. You know, they have strengthened their O-line by retaining players. They've strengthened that with drafting. They've also kind of brought in a couple of linebackers. So the defense has come up a huge amount. Trayvon Walker is their number one overall pick for the draft. And then, you know, they've built in a couple of corners. Adding Christian Kirk and Zay Jones just gives opportunity to pass the ball. And I think they've got, they're giving Trevor Lawrence all that he should need to take that franchise as the elite quarterback that he is to the playoffs and to hopefully get close to the Super Bowl. It may not be this year, but it may be close. Yeah, and look, if James Robinson plays anything like he did in 2020, where he was, you know, terrific, you know, if he gets the opportunities and, and, and puts out that kind of production, then you, you've got a team that will be putting points on the board and getting yards and all of those kind of things. So um, I like it. It's a little bit left field, but I really, really like it. And, and it'll be really intriguing to follow, you know, come this, as the season comes on. Well, on that note, I think I'm going to quit while I'm ahead. Um, I think you've got a pretty strong bet with the Ravens. I think that's a really good opportunity. They've recruited so well this year. And if they can keep their players fit, they're just going to look fantastic. Um, my outside bet, of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, 
I think we'll probably get long odds on that, but let, let's see what we can see. Um, let's see what happens in the season. I'm looking forward to it already. Um, and on that note, um, that's the end of this one. Um, say goodbye for now. So see you later, Rob. Thank you so much for having me. And um, obviously catch up the room soon. If you want to get in touch with us, you can get in touch with us at the nflpuddle.gmail.com and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Take care. Yeah, take care.